When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have a big election coming up. So what is the state of the election and how good do the Republicans look going into the midterms? Plus, the Biden crime family is in serious trouble with new contracts that came from a whistleblower. And Stacey Abrams is wanting people to vote for her, saying she can fix your economic problems as long as you have an abortion. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Senator, it's nice to be with you again today, and we've got a lot to talk about, including this shocking letter from Senator Grassley. You know him well. You work with him. It is a letter, and I'm going to read a little bit because it's so shocking what has come out. This letter contains a contract they're saying is signed by Hunter Biden and James Biden, which I think is also a very important asterisk that if you're taking notes, start writing right now. Because this is something we've kind of been waiting for. We knew there was corruption with the Biden family. We know it goes back decades with James Biden. And then they brought in Hunter Biden to, in essence, be a bagman. But now we've got a contract. And what it says here is there was an arrangement. There was a contract signed by Hunter and James Biden and three other business associates. Part of the arrangement was to funnel $5 million from Chinese communist government agencies to Hunter and James Biden specifically. Here's the kicker. What is most shocking is the compensation package was purposely designed, the whistleblowers are saying to Grassley, to compensate Hunter and James Biden for all the work they did only after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. Your initial reaction to this whistleblower? Look, I think the facts in this letter are deeply, deeply concerning. We talked at an earlier podcast about how the announcement or the leaks, rather, the, the concerted leaks that, that they're getting ready to indict Hunter Biden are all focused on the personal stuff. They're all focused on the drug use. They're all focused on the gun issue. Those are real crimes. Those are crimes that need to be prosecuted. But, but I'm concerned that that is a smokescreen to divert from what the real question is. The reason, you know, if Hunter Biden were some schmo, most people, it would not be a matter of public concern whether or not the guy wrestled with addiction, as he clearly has. The reason it's relevant and it's important nationally is Hunter Biden, on the face of it, is involved in official corruption with his father, with his father when he was vice president and potentially with his father today when he's president. And, and this letter that Chuck Grassley sent. So Chuck is my colleague on the Judiciary Committee. If, if Republicans take a majority in the Senate, Chuck will be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Chuck and I have served together on that committee for 10 years. I am confident when we have a majority, which I think we will in January, 
that we will have hearings on this topic because the Biden Department of Justice desperately is trying to cover it up. Here's what Chuck Grassley said. He, he, he says that they've got evidence now that that Hunter Biden and James Biden and James is Joe's brother, Hunter's uncle, met with nationals connected to the Chinese communist government. That's a pretty big deal. Like you're meeting with Chinese communist government officials. And what are you meeting about? And not by accident. This is on purpose, deliberate to have a financial relationship with communist Chinese individuals. And and they negotiate, uh, according to the summary, Hunter Biden, James Biden and their business associates created a joint venture. So you go into business. Let's go into business with the Chinese communist government, a joint venture that would serve as a vehicle to accomplish that financial compensation. And that arrangement was made sometime after a meeting in Miami between Hunter Biden and CEFC officials in February 2017. According to the summary, that vehicle was called Sinohawk, which was owned 50 percent by Oneida Holdings and 50 percent by Hudson West. According to the summary, Oneida was made of five evenly divided LLCs. Look, when people are trying to hide money, they create lots of LLCs. Uh, you know, it's called money laundering. Right. What, what, what do they do? One for each business associate. So everyone gets their own LLC, including Hunter Biden and James Biden. However, according to the summary, 10% of Hunter Biden's interest was to be held for Joe Biden. This is the line we all have heard now, 10% for the big guy. Right. And this is in writing in an actual contract. This isn't in an email, which we had the emails from Hunter Biden's laptop, so people understand this. It said 10% for the big guy. We also have Tony Bobulinski, who's now done not one but two interviews, and we know that his contact was Tim Tebow, the FBI, now disgraced FBI agent, who was burying all the information on Hunter James and Joe Biden's business dealings. This is clearly where the whistleblowers are coming forward saying yeah. this is what he was burying is not only is it just the idea. There's no longer just the idea of the big guy is a possibility. It's now in a contract basically set in stone and you can divide the parts up and it matches up to 10 percent for Joe Biden. Well, and if you look at the signature page, which which will also put up the signature page, you look at the top. There's a signature from Hunter Biden with Hunter's signature right underneath it. A signature from Jim Biden. So you've got the, the, pre, the president's brother and the president's son are the first two signatories. And then the fifth signatory is Tony Bobulinski. So you've yeah. literally got the guy who's telling us this was corrupt sign the contract with their names on it. And what were the terms of it? Well, the terms of it, the way they were getting paid, it was an unsecured $5 million loan. Must be nice if someone will loan you $5 million. I got I to gotta pause you. Explain to people, because there's a lot of people that may not realize how unbelievable it is to have an unsecured $5 million loan. If I went out, you went out, we got a contract, we would have to back it up with some sort of collateral bank that's normal in the business. Yeah. You got to have something. People don't just randomly hand you five grand. They get all this with nothing. Look, if you or I walked into a bank and said, hey, would you lend me $5 million? I'm not going to put anything up. I'm not going to put my house up. I'm not going to put any stocks up. I'm not going to put any collateral up. You know, I'm just uh, relying on my good looks and, and charm. And did I mention daddy is vice president of the United States? Was, was that part of the conversation? And they said, oh, great. You know, sure. Here's five million dollars. No collateral. But it's worse. Look, a five million dollar unsecured loan is called a sweetheart deal. But what follows is an uns- unsecured five million dollar loan, quote, intended to be forgivable from CEFC in 2017. In other words, it's not a loan. 
it's a gift. We're going to give you $5 million. We're going to forgive the loan. It ain't a loan if they forgive it. If they forgive it, yeah. And 2017, why was that date picked? Oh, yeah, that's immediately after Joe Biden stops being vice president of the United States. Now, fast forward. The letter further says that that the Chinese were slow in paying and... Uh, James Biden considered calling the CFC officials and threatening to withdraw Biden family support from future deals. So the Chicoms Tra- wouldn't tra- pay. In translation, that is, you think that the Bidens are going to keep being played. You better give us this cash that we asked you basically to delay, right? So we get paid after he leaves the vice presidency. And if you don't give it to us, then we're going to stop giving you what you want from the Biden crime family. We will withdraw Biden family support. And it ain't complicated who they're talking about. Nobody cares about Hunter's support. They care about the big guy. And it turns out that their fit apparently worked because public bank records show that Hunter Biden and James Biden profited from a $5 million wire from a company connected to the CEFC, the Chinese Communists, in August of 2017. So they threw a fit. They got the five million dollars. Let me tell you a question that apparently the Biden DOJ has no interest in. Did Joe Biden get his 10 percent? Did he get five hundred thousand dollars from the Chinese Communists? And what did he do for the Chinese Communists for that five hundred thousand dollars? And what, for that matter, did Joe Biden do for his son and his brother to get five million dollars? All of this talk about the drug stuff is designed to cover up and hide what at this point seems to be screaming indications of pay to play. And in fact, Grassley continues to say, based on the allegations provided to my office, the information provided by Mr. Bobolinsky formed a sufficient basis to open a full field investigation on pay to play grounds. That means Give my son and my brother $5 million or I, as vice president, will not do what you want on public policy. That's called bribery, and you do hard time for that. And apparently the Biden DOJ has no interest in examining that. I've called on Merrick Garland repeatedly, appoint a special counsel because the partisan hacks that have been put in charge of this. Yeah. Can't be trusted. There's no reason that you, you should trust them, and, and they so demonstrated me, that. Let me ask you this. When when we had Timothy Tebow, yeah. right, who sat down with Tommy Bobulinski, he was the first big whistleblower. And he, he was a great quarterback, by the way. Yeah. For, for <laughs> <laughs> you know when that name came out, you know Tim Tebow was sitting at home going, why? Why did this guy have to have the same <laughs> name as me? Why on earth? But when you had Tony Bobulinski, who yeah. came out, and he was the first whistleblower weeks before the election, the presidential election. Yeah. He then immediately after he does the big press conference, gets called by the FBI. He comes in. He tells his story. He gives them phones. He gives them, uh, you know, encrypted messages. He gives them everything. He gives them documents. He gives them apparently some of these business deals we're talking about today yeah. with his signature yeah. on it. And says, I want you to know all this. And they say, a guy named Tim Tebow is going to be your point of contact. He never talks to him, never follows up. And we know that immediately Tim Tebow went into trying to say that everything that he brought to the FBI was immediately discredited so it would be shut down and never used against him. And we know that Tebow is a hard Democrat partisan who was publicly, uh, deeply political, incredibly critical of Donald Trump. Was Post on public, on social media, yeah, he didn't things hide that it. were critical of he, Donald Trump. He, he didn't hide it at all. I mean, it's, look, it's part of, and we've talked about my book coming out next week, Justice Corrupted, go buy the book, but it is about 
exactly that. It is about the, the, the hard partisans who burrowed into senior positions at the Department of Justice and the FBI and who then corrupted the administration of justice. And in this instance, what the facts on the face of it scream out loud is the FBI deliberately buried this information. Why? Not because they don't care about about the kids drug use, which is what Biden wants to claim it's about. And the media. And the, oh, the media is even more complicit. The question here is Joe Biden's corruption on pay-to-play and bribery. And as best I can tell, no reporter bothers to ask him about it. They ask him his favorite ice cream flavor. Sure. Well, and let's play that because a week ago we played the clip of, of basically the one question that Hunter's or Joe Biden's been asked about his son. He immediately goes back to, he was a drug addict, he's overcome this, I love him, I'm, I'm so proud of him. And I want to play it again because I want you to understand, the media knew this story, I have no doubt, yeah. when they were sitting there and had the opportunity to ask the president about it, they understand this is not even about Hunter Biden anymore. This is about a direct connection between the vice president selling access to the United States government and then getting back pay for it, designed, orchestrated, signed, and sealed after he leaves the vice presidency, yep, yep. and the media still goes back to the Hunter Biden simple question. Take a look at this. Well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm proud of my son. This is a kid who got, uh, not a kid, he's a grown man. He got uh, hooked on, uh, uh, like many families have had happen, hooked on drugs. Uh, he's overcome that. He's established a new life. He is, um, uh, I'm confident that he is what he says and does are consistent with what happens. Um, and, uh, for example, he wrote a book about his problems and was straightforward about it. I'm proud of him. He came along and said, by the way, this thing about a gun, I didn't know anything about it, but turns out that when he made my a- application to purchase a-, a gun, what happened was he said, I guess you get asked, I don't guess, you get asked the question, are you on drugs, you use drugs? He said no. And he wrote about saying no. In right. his book. So I, 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 I have great confidence in my son. I love him. And uh, he's on a straight and narrow, and he has been for a couple of years now. And I'm just so proud of him. Senator, you and I have great compassion for people that deal with addiction. Yeah. And that was a great moment for the president to look like a father. Which, what makes me angry about that is that is the last question the media should have asked him if they were going to ask him any questions because they have enough now on the president to say, what did you know and when did you know it about the business deals with your brother, the contracts with your brother, and the business deals with your son? It shouldn't even be about Hunter Biden anymore. It should be about, hey, you knew about this and you knew you were getting paid when you left the vice presidency, and yet no one's asked him that question. Well, unfortunately, that's not an accident. That's deliberate. Listen, I understand why Joe Biden answered that question. That is, is political spin where you want to find the most sympathetic context to explain this. And addiction is horrific. Most families in America have dealt with addiction. My older sister, Miriam, died of an overdose. I've seen it in my family. You've probably seen it in your family. Most families have seen people struggling with addiction. It's a terrible thing. But CNN was doing the interview there. They knew exactly what they were doing. It's not that they're bad at being journalists. It's that they're not trying to be journalists. They are propagandists. And so they're giving him the opportunity to explain this just as compassion for your son that fell on hard times and was struggling with the demons of addiction. They don't ask, did you cash the check? 
Did you get the 500000 Did the 10% come to you? They don't ask, what did your son and your brother do to be worth $5 million to the Chinese communist? They don't ask, what did the Chinese communist want you to do to make it worth it to them to give your son and brother $5 million? By the way, they also don't ask about Burisma, which was the Ukrainian natural gas company that, that paid Hunter Biden a million dollars a year, even though he doesn't speak Ukrainian, doesn't know anything about oil and gas. They don't ask, well, what did you do to make it worthwhile to Hunter Biden? We actually know what he did because the owner of Burisma was being investigated by a prosecutor in the Ukrainian government. The guy paying Hunter Biden was being investigated by a prosecutor. Unsurprisingly, this Ukrainian oligarch didn't want to be investigated. And miraculously, in fact, I'm going to use a phrase, son of a bitch. Yeah. Joe Biden actually did something that really, really helped we, we've the got guy it. paying Hunter Biden a million bucks a year. We, we got to play that clip yeah. because this was the old Joe Biden, the arrogant, cocky, yep. Yep. I'm above the law moment. And he sits there and laughs about the power and control he had over Ukraine. He was the head lead guy on. He, was, he, he said it, not me. Yeah. On Ukraine, I went over there and said, you're not getting American dollars until you get rid of the guy that's investigating my son's company and brags about it on camera. Take a look. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. So that is, on its face, a term we actually learned right at the beginning of Verdict, when Verdict launched. That's called a quid pro quo. There is no dispute that's a quid pro quo. Joe Biden just told us, he said, I am holding up $1 billion of aid from the United States taxpayers to the government of Ukraine. And, you, and, and that amount of money in Ukraine, just so people understand. It's a ton. That's like a trillion, half trillion in America. That is significant to the point where, of course, they would say, I'll fire whoever you want me to because they needed that money so desperately, especially at that moment in time. And I, and I got to say, look, if you look at this, Number one, why is the sitting vice president, and Obama had made Biden the point person on Ukraine, why is the sitting vice president going and, and extorting a foreign government to fire a prosecutor investigating corruption in Ukraine? And why does the corporate media and the Department of Justice have zero interest in saying, well, is there any potential corruption on Biden's part? We know that Hunter made a million bucks a year with no expertise whatsoever. But you know what no one's ever asked? Prior to that sweetheart deal, how much was Joe Biden giving his son Hunter every year? Look, his son Hunter was troubled, had real problems. I'd, I'd be willing to wager a large sum of money that Joe is a loving dad Hunter was a real and ongoing financial burden on him that he was paying. He was covering costs like his his son. And not three grand or five grand. This could be 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand on a semi-regular basis. We don't know. Yeah. Because nobody has ever bothered to answer that question. Which which brings me to the catalyst of the long now investigation, Hunter Biden, and specifically his tax issues. I wonder now if the reason why he hasn't been indicted yet is because they don't want to indict him on tax issues because they know his taxes will tie his father, the president of the United States of America, back to these types of business deals and money that can then be directly linked to the sitting president of the United States of America. 
Do you think there's a chance that's why they've held out for over two years? Uh, look, I think that is certainly one of the reasons they're dragging their feet. By the way, I mentioned Sinohawk, the company. If you look at, at who Joe Biden as president has sold oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to, it is that company. The only company that got designated oil going overseas yep. that we know of so far and all the Strategic Oil Reserves going over is the exact company which Hunter Biden, they claim he divested, right? They but claim they he divested, never, but they never demonstrated that. No, and it was the still on records. their it's yeah. still on their filings yeah. that he is in That's fact exactly a right. owner in the company, and, and it's nobody. You know, the old question: What did you know, and when did you know it? Or to, or to use another uh, Watergate analogy, follow the money. Yeah. Um, there is an amazing lack of interest on anyone in the corporate media to follow the money. And it's not by accident. They don't want to know where the money went because their job is protect the big guy. They are flax for the big guy. They're not journalists. They are, they are his defenders. And so they're, they're participating with the White House and trying to shift this all to a, a guy struggling with addiction has nothing to do with I, the I'll public. I'll say it again. I think you agree with me. It's no longer about Hunter Biden. It's now about the president and his corruption. And it's not, did he know it and when did he know it? It's how much did you get? We know you knew it. We know you're a part of it. We know you're meeting with the business associates. It's clearly that you work with Grassley and I don't rarely see him get this fired up. You, you read the letter like Look, I did. I am confident we will have, I hope, multiple hearings examining exactly this question. I can promise you in judiciary. Now, if the Democrats keep the majority, we will not have a single hearing on it. Why? Because none of the Democrats care if Joe Biden is corrupt and is literally being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars or even millions of dollars by communist China. They do not care. They will not examine it. They will cover it up. You want to talk about one of the stakes of the election. It is actually examining what appears to be prima facie evidence of pay-to-play corruption. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart -heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a pre-born baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes me want to get to the issue of the election real quick. Yeah. You've been on the bus tour. We're weeks away from the election. One of the cool things that you did as a senator getting in the game every time we have an election cycle, not saying, hey, I'm not running right now. I'm going to chill and enjoy this. You seem to double down when you're not on the ballot and help people get elected. You did this, and a lot of people might not know the history of this, but you actually did the 25 for 20 back in the 2020 cycle. You've done it again this time, and there are some key races that are going to decide who controls Congress, and that's why you've been on this bus tour. Talk about some of those races that people should be paying attention to, number one, and two, that especially on election night, if you want to know how things are going to go, if we're going to keep control of the House and the Senate, everybody wants to know that. How do you watch on election night? Well, let, let me say, let me explain what we've been doing with the House for the last two cycles. So two years ago, I, I launched an initiative that we called 25 for 20. And what I did is selected 25 candidates for the House of Representatives. And I endorsed them. I campaigned for them. 23 of them were challengers. So 23 of them were not incumbents. They were either running for open seats or they were running against Democrat incumbents. And I raised money for them, raised about $3.5 million for those 25 candidates, all in hard money, money that, that, that I didn't spend, I didn't keep. I sent it to them so they can spend it on their campaigns. Of those 25 candidates, 14 of them won. Which is a huge number if you understand campaign politics. And you didn't pick races to, you know, prop yourself up and say, oh, we went 14 for 14. You went after races where we needed to win and picked the hard races, not the automatic W. So you look like, oh, I picked 18 winners. Well, and in particular, what I'm looking for is the strongest conservatives who can win. And so that's an intersection of two things. Who can win matters. If you're the best candidate on earth, but it's a D plus 20 district, God love you. But, but I'm not going to ask people to invest in tilting at windmills. The stakes in the country are too damn high to mess around. But what I'm looking for is people that A, can win, but B, when they get there, they're going to be real leaders. They're going to be fighters. They're going to do something. They're not just going to be sheep in the herd, but they're going to stand and fight. And so we're trying to find the strongest conservatives, and, and we had a number of donors who would say, look, Ted, I trust you. If you identify these guys that they're going to be real leaders and fighters, I'm all in. Two years ago, we won 14 out of the 25. If, we'd, if we had won six more, we would have taken control of the House two years ago, and all of the disastrous legislation that's been rammed through would have been stopped. So we came close to keeping Nancy Pelosi from being Speaker. This year, I'm doing it again. We're, we're doing it 
It's called 25 for 22, because apparently I'm really bad at naming things. <laughs> uh, but we picked 25 candidates, and same thing, endorsed them, campaigned for them. So many of the stops on the bus tour are supporting the candidates that are in the 25 for, for 22. Uh, and again, we've raised millions of dollars for these candidates. Now, there are a lot of them that are really exciting. So, so one group that is in it is a total of six Latinas who are running, who are all Republican nominees, three in South Texas, Myra Flores, Monica Dela Cruz, Cassie Garcia. These are in areas, by the way, that have been controlled by Democrats for decades, longer than I've been alive. And that's why they've gotten so much national media attention. You saw this long before the yeah. media was talking about it. And now they have the funding to actually put up a legitimate fight in these Democratic districts, which I think is the coolest part of election night is going to be watching these races. That's exactly right. And you look at a, a canary in the coal mine was a few months ago. Remember, we had a special election in Texas and it was for the district. It's along the Gulf Coast from just south of Corpus Christi all the way down to Brownsville. Brownsville is the southern tip of Texas, right along the, the border with Mexico. That is a district that has not had a Republican since 1871. Wow. It's a long time. Yeah. They had a special election elected a Republican. Her name is Myra Flores. She's an Hispanic woman. She's the first woman actually born in Mexico, elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. Myra is Latina. She's a conservative Republican. This district is the most Hispanic district in the country. Out of 435, the most Hispanic district just elected a, a, a Republican. The district next to her, Monica Dela Cruz, uh, is running there. That district has, has not had a Republican in over 100 years. I believe Monica's going to win in November. The district next to her has not had a Republican in over 100 years. I believe Cassie Garcia is going to win. I think there's a very good chance we wake up the day after Election Day and all of the Rio Grande Valley, all of South Texas, is represented by Republicans and Hispanic women. By the way, two of the three are married to Border Patrol agents. Both Myra and Cassie are married to Border Patrol agents. And that's why they ran. People need to understand this. They ran because they saw the carnage. Yes. They saw the lawlessness. They saw the death. They saw the destruction. They saw the human trafficking. They saw the fentanyl. All the things that I think some people just kind of, you know, they hear it so often. You forget that it's real human beings affected. They're witnessing it every day. Absolutely. And their husbands are coming home telling them what they saw that day. And the husbands, I think it's pretty clear, agree on one thing. We're losing. Yes. Because of the policies of the Biden administration, they are not allowed to win ever. A day out there, I don't know if they've had a good day since Biden became president because we've handcuffed our Border Patrol agents, and that's why their wives are now running for office. Yep. So the, that, that's exactly right. South Texas, they see the misery firsthand. Uh, but it's not just the three of them, also included in the group, were Catalina Loff, who's running in a suburb of Chicago up in Illinois, uh, Ana Polina Luna, who's running in, in Tampa, and Yesley Vega, who's running in Virginia. I had all six of them at, 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 to, to just north of Houston, to the Woodlands, for a fundraiser. Six Republican nominees, all beautiful, all brilliant, all Latinas, all fireballs. I just shut up and got out of the way. We raised over a million dollars just for those six candidates. And I am so all in that this opportunity is a generational game changer that when you have arrogant Democrats like Nancy Pelosi or Adam Schiff saying illegal immigration is not a problem, 
when you suddenly have a bunch of fiery Latinas who live on the southern border say, you are full of crap and yeah, you are lying. Yeah, don't screw with us because we live there. It, it, it is. I could not be more excited. So the group, that's six of them. We've got candidates a- across the country who, who are, um, look, John Gibbs in Michigan, African-American man, went to Harvard and Stanford, was a missionary in Japan, is smart, is principled. I think he's got a real good shot at winning the well, race. Well, in Michigan right there is a very tight race right now we're seeing with Whitmer, which I think is going to be very interesting to watch in election as well. But you can see the people there are looking at Republican candidates like they never have before statewide. So in the next two weeks, I'm doing a rally uh, with Yesley Vega in Virginia. I'm doing a rally with John Gibbs in Michigan. And we're also, like Michigan is a state, as you noted, that has a big gubernatorial race. We're trying to focus these also in races that have either a big gubernatorial race or a big Senate race, so you get a double whammy. And, and John Gibbs is someone who, look, the Democrat Party plays the race card so much to see a strong conservative black man representing Michigan working class who's smart and educated. Another candidate I'm supporting, Jennifer Ruth Green, African-American woman, Air Force Academy graduate, leader, has been decades in the Air Force. She's smart. She's got a master's from Liberty University. We did a retreat with these 25 candidates and our investors. In the middle of the retreat, Jennifer Ruth and John Gibbs begin speaking fluently in Japan, in Japanese. Yeah, Japanese. And and it, it was wonderful. You're looking at the left doesn't know how to handle smart conservative minorities. They claim we don't exist. I'm trying to change the face of the party. I'm trying to bring in people who will be fundamental warriors. I'll give you another one. Eli Crane. Eli Crane is, was a Navy SEAL, had five combat deployments, is smart, is principled. He's running in Arizona. He's going to defeat an incumbent Democrat. I did a big rally for Eli. He is a warrior. And so we're doing this across the country. I think there are Caroline Levitt up in New Hampshire. Um, Young woman, 26 years old. If and when she wins, she will be the youngest woman ever elected to Congress. Which I love that. She worked in the Trump White House. She's blonde, beautiful, smart. Uh, grew up in New Hampshire, went to college in New Hampshire, played uh, varsity. It's the only time you've ever sounded like Trump, by the way, when you just described her, which really makes me laugh. Blonde, beautiful, and smart. Can't you see him like on a campaign I, trail for her? I love it. <laughs> oh, fair point. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he understands marketing. And, yeah. and you want a candidate who who is exciting and who is next generation. By the way, I'll tell you, Caroline Levitt was a candidate who, in the primary, was running against a very moderate candidate who had been Chris Christie's executive director in the state. Um, Republican leadership in Washington spent $5 million trying to beat her. Wow. Because they didn't want a strong conservative in that race. I went up and supported her, did a big rally for her the day before the, the primary election. She won, shocked everyone. I think she's got a good shot at winning in November. But, but all of these are designed to elect the next generation of leaders so that, look, I hear all the time as I travel the country, how come Republican leadership isn't more conservative? How come it's not not more conservative in the House? How come it's not more conservative in the Senate? Here's my standard answer. If you want leadership to be more conservative, the single best way is elect strong conservative warriors to Congress. Why? Because leadership reflects the conference. Leadership reflects their members. If their members are a bunch of squishes, they're going to be Leadership's a bunch of squ- going to yeah. be a squish. If you have warriors that say we're not going to 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 lie down. Look, one of the first fights we're going to have 
is to defund the 87,000 new IRS agents to say, we will not fund them. You're not going to harass the American people. And we're going to put that money into securing the border. Now, they're going to be wobbly Republicans that say, oh, don't have that fight. No, we're scared of that fight. The more strong Republicans we elect, the more conservatives we elect, the more likely the party is going to be to have backbone to fight fights that matter. You, you mentioned this, and, and we got about 10 minutes left, but I think it's really important we take a moment. There's a race I'm concerned about, a guy that I love, spent some time with him at the NRA convention in Houston, who I'm rooting for. He's a good friend of yours, Mike Lee. I'm worried he's in trouble there. You and I talked yeah. about this before the show today, and people need to realize he needs money, and he needs people to invest in this. And this is a Senate race that we do not want to lose because Mike Lee is a guy that stands for life. He stands up for the Second Amendment. Uh, he's, he's one of the kindest men I think I've ever met in the Senate. You would probably agree yes. with that. And he needs some help right now. Look, th th that is absolutely right. Mike is, he is by far my best friend in the Senate. He is a rock-ribbed, principled conservative. He's a constitutionalist. He loves the Constitution. I think he's the only guest we've had twice on Verdict who's joined us on this podcast in the past. Um, he is someone who does not shy away from a fight. And I got to tell you, in the Senate, that is extremely rare. I don't think I can count on one hand the number of senators about whom that is true. He's not afraid of standing up to Democrats. He's not afraid of standing up to the press. He's not afraid of standing up to our own party. That is exceptionally rare. Now, you might say, OK, look, Utah's bright red. How possibly could Mike Lee be in jeopardy? And the reason is the Democrats have done something really devious and dishonest. The candidate who's running is Evan McMullen. Remember the guy who ran as an independent yeah. uh, against Trump in 2016? Well, he's still claiming to run as an independent. And the Democrats in, in Utah decided not to run a candidate. So there's no Democrat on the ballot. The, Dem the Utah Democrat Party then endorsed Evan McMullen. So he has the support of the, of the, of the Democrats. Not only that, he's using Act Blue, the fundraising mechanism to raise money from all the leftists and socialists across the country. They're flooding cash. In I would say the majority of his fundraising has come from out of state. And, and it, it's hard leftist. It, it is people who want the country to continue on the path we are now. He spent, there was just reporting that came out, he spent over $1.6 million from his campaign paying all these Democrat consultants uh, and operatives because that's who's running his campaign is the left wing, but here's why it's dishonest. Their strategy is to get all the Democrats in Utah, and there's a significant number of them, and then just convince five or 10% of the moderate Republicans, the ones who maybe don't like Donald Trump. Or maybe ones, wouldn't vote for a Democrat if it has a D next yeah. to his name, but if it has an I, independent, yeah. you feel better about it. And, and they feel like, oh, he seems nice. Look, at the end of the day, he is not nice. He's lying to the people of the state of Utah. And in particular, let me give you the scenario that really underscores the stakes of this race. We could end up the day after Election Day with 50 Democrats, or rather with 50 Republicans and 49 Democrats. That's an easy, easy outcome. And let's say McMullen wins. If that happens, McMullen will decide who the next majority leader of the Senate is. Now, he's playing this game. He said he will not vote for Mitch McConnell. Under any circumstances, he will not vote for Mitch McConnell. But he's playing this game of, I'm not going to caucus with anybody. <laughs> I'm just going to be my own independent soul. Yeah. 
that is utter and complete garbage because he will. And this is where he's playing a game because he thinks the voters don't understand how it works. If we have a 50-49 Senate, he will either do nothing. Which I doubt. Which he won't do, in which case Republicans will have the majority. Or he will vote and give the majority to Chuck Schumer. And that's the reality. Either way, it's a choice. And given that the people voting for him are Democrats, the people funding him are Democrats, the people he's paying are Democrats, that he's running against Republicans. And by the way, he voted for Joe Biden. It is 100 percent. It's not even 99 percent. It is 100 percent that if he is the decisive vote, he will vote for and decide Chuck Schumer is the majority leader. He will decide Bernie Sanders is the chairman of the budget committee. He will put Elizabeth Warren in power. He will put every leftist in the Senate in power. He will ensure that Dick Durbin remains chairman of the Judiciary Committee. That means Chuck Grassley doesn't. That means we will have not a single hearing on Hunter Biden or Joe Biden's corruption. And McMullen is trying to fool the voters in Utah. And I got to tell you, the polling has shown this is really, really close. So I very rarely do this on the podcast, but I'm going to ask our listeners Go to LeeForSenate.com, LeeForSenate.com, make a contribution. If Mike loses, it is difficult the to The entire agenda could go off the rails for this country it, uh, from our standpoint. It as could literally keep us on the disastrous path we've been for the last two years. But even beyond that, if we sit back and allow a constitutional conservative warrior like Mike Lee to be taken out by deceptive lies... Shame on us. And and so I'll tell you, Mike is part of the 25 for 20. I've never had a senator as part of it, but I think that the, the stakes are that high that that anyone who cares about this fight for freedom ought to go and do everything they can. If you know friends in Utah, it really is important because it's deceptive what they're doing to the voters in Utah. I can't finish today's show, Senator, without asking you about another issue. One of the most perverted and sick comments I think I've ever seen from Stacey Abrams, the woman who still hasn't conceded her election loss last time, who said this about inflation, the economy connecting it to abortion. Take a look. But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't Divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. To be clear, she's saying that if you are struggling under our economy, under Bidenflation, just kill off your unborn children and that will fix the problem. Look, I got to say, I watched that clip and I'm just I'm really sad. Uh, The Democrat Party has gotten so extreme that it is now not their position, as Bill Clinton said, that, that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. It is their position that, that abortion is a good thing, is a wonderful thing, that you should celebrate abortion. She's sitting there saying, hey, you're struggling with inflation, just get an abortion, that'd be great. They're actively encouraging abortion, saying, well, look, Biden hurt the economy so much, I got a great solution, just don't have kids. Just, 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 like, that is... Well, where do you draw the line, right? You lose your job and you're pregnant. You just look at your wife and say, hey, we got to kill this kid off because of our finances. That's how little you value life. And I think that's what it came back to to me was this is how little she values life. And now they're openly talking about it that way. It, 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 it is where today's Democrat Party has gotten so extreme. And look, Stacey Abrams represents the id of the Democrat Party. 
Um, you know, not too long ago, one of the Star Trek shows cast her as the president of planet Earth because that's like the intersection of Hollywood leftist fantasies. But today's radical left, they view abortion, every abortion as something to be celebrated, dancing in the street. Stacey Abrams apparently is not remotely concerned that every year in New York City, more African-American babies are aborted than are born. That's a heartbreaking statistic. And, and it was one thing for the Democrat Party to say, gosh, we mourn abortion too, but we think it should be available as a choice. I don't agree with that, but I understand that. Where they are today is to celebrate it and to be urging people, this is what you should do. That really shows the corruption. And part of it is most, most Democrat campaigns are funded in significant ways by Planned Parenthood, and Planned Parenthood makes billions of dollars off of abortions. in the abortion industry. It is their industry, and they are interested. Their financial incentives is the more abortions that happen, the more money they make. And, and you see now the Democrat politicians, their funding essentially saying the same thing. That's really, it, it's tragic and and. Let the Overton fr- window has moved in a horrible way. Let your friends know in Georgia. I say it at the end of the show every week. Number one, share this podcast with your family and friends, especially people in Georgia and Utah with Mike Lee. Make sure you give to his campaign this week, as you mentioned. Uh, write us a five-star review because when you do, it helps us on the charts reach more conservatives out there. Make sure you do that. Hit that subscribe or download button and center. Well, I'll see you back here in a couple days. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.